Institute of Gamer Review, Episode 3. I am Dharma King, joined by my friend Louie, if you want to say hi. Hey, guys. And today we are discussing a real classic and kind of very, I think, important um, series and, 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 and phenomenon. And in some ways, um, I don't know if I'd say coextensive, but but almost coextensive with uh, PC gaming as such. In, in in a lot of ways, we can we can maybe talk about that. But uh, this is, of course, the uh, Civilization series of uh, Sid Meier, and um, yeah, it's just a really um, just a really important and very popular series that that has a lot going on underneath the surface and. Um, I think you know there were obviously already some requests to talk about this, and and I think we're gonna have a good time. Um, but uh, Louis, this was your idea. Did you did you have like thoughts you wanted to start with? Uh, yeah. So you know how we start out. We always say like you know whose episode is this? This is probably both of our episodes. Uh, we're both very familiar with the series. Uh, you know you know in a pretty fundamental way, I think if you play video games uh, in a in a kind of strat in a kind of strategy type game, you've played Civ or you're very familiar with it um I think it's probably there's a lot of you know baked in assumptions about it uh you know it is also kind of a product of the 90s uh in a similar way that we were talking about XCOM was um you know I would say the core the core thing with that is it's very much of this like uh multicultural view of history or kind of implies that you know all not just multicultural I would say sorry to interrupt but I would say Wig version of history, like history yeah. as progress, right? Which we can well, get not into. Like that, but but yeah. hi- history as like it's this. So there's you know in the uh, eyes of, I think maybe the more shit libby or maybe even the most kind of normie people kind of view history like sieve, like all the civilizations started out, you know, in on the exact same playing field with the exact same resources, and it's kind of just dumb luck or kind of strategy how uh history turns out uh you know it 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 doesn't actually do a good job of illustrating the class clash of civilizations uh, despite <laughs> the name you know it's that you know it's so yeah it's i mean there's already a lot even just to go off on that one, one point though that maybe it's worth um mentioning is you talk about like the kind of dumb luck aspect of this so the like historical origins of the original Civilization game, which was, you know, Civilization 1, so to speak, which was released in, in 1991, um, is basically, and I think Sid Meier himself was, was quite upfront about this, was was essentially as a kind of computer version, or, or very heavily inspired in any case by Settlers of Catan, which is a board game um, 
I, I forget the name of the guy who, who made it, but I believe he was German, um, actual German. And, uh, but, but, but Settlers of Catan is interesting because that's in a way the whole point. Like it, it's, uh, I, I, you know, it, it was, it was, uh, oh man, now I have to do some prep on live, but it doesn't matter. Settlers of Catan was, 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 it was, you know, it was first published with the kind of, uh, ideological assumption baked into the gameplay and sort of the whole point of Settlers of Catan is you, you are, yes, you, there's skill involved and you can make the best of a bad hand or screw up a good hand, but your, your ability to succeed in Catan or in the way the whole, you know, thing develops is essentially due to dumb luck. Um, you know, for those of you, who, uh, who haven't played the, uh, which is, I, I assume not very many probably, but whatever, you know, is the idea is basically you, um, shuffle like terrain cards in Catan and you kind of randomly generate the map and then you set your starting positions based on that random terrain. And so the idea is like, basically, um, you, you can kind of be screwed or, or in a really advantageous position before the game even starts, before the game proper even starts, purely based on dumb luck and who, you know, has what position relative to which resources. And that's by design. That's intentional. There's a kind of, um, the, it's a kind of, I think it was, it was long before Jared Diamond's Guns, Germs, and Steel, but it's very much of a part with that kind of uh, narrative about history and narrative about, you know, human civilization and the rise and fall is just, you know, based on uh, essentially just, you know, oh, these people just happened randomly to be in this place that didn't have certain resources or had certain resources and therefore, you know, um, uh, you know, question mark, question mark, question mark, uh, uh, advanced civilization. Now, obviously that's, I mean, that's flat out retarded in a number of ways. Um, you know, Africa is famously extremely resource rich. So that just does, it falls on its flat on its face just to begin with as an explanation of, of why civil, certain civilizations are, but it's very, you know, you could say PC, I don't know what people would say PC anymore, but you, you, like there, there's a certain kind of narrative about human society built into that and, and a certain kind of, you know, equality. I think uh, Diamond's thing in particular was like, what is it? You can't domesticate zebras, so they never got horses. And that's why like they never achieved the level of civilization of the um, of the Amerindians Indians who also never had horses. I don't know. The whole thing is retarded. Like I don't want to adjudicate that. The the point is that um, civilization was essentially taking the idea. Of, you know, so Catan is all kind of you, you're, the whole game takes place, I guess, in like the Iron Age or something. Like you never get really past. You never really even get into um, like a kind of classical Roman level of uh civilization it it's all kind of in pre a certain kind of prehistory um right up you know up against that border um Sid Meier's civilization takes that formula takes that basic idea of we have a randomly generated map and you start in a certain area with certain resources or lacking certain resources and then you build up this kind of iron age civilization starting you know always of course in 4000 BC i like to joke the uh, you know joke uh, is it a joke or is it not i don't know but uh, that you know the reason for that is because uh, he wants to deny and hide our hyperborean heritage from atlantis in 10000 BC but be that as it may you know this happens I, long i have a different take i think okay. it's, he's a he's a he's a young earth creationist <laughs> sure <laughs> but both of those both of those work right um as far as why he'd want to start in 4000 BC. But in any case, yes, 10,000 BC, we have the fall of Atlantis and the Hyperborean civilization. And no, without, you know, all pretty much all traces are gone. And so humanity has to start over again in, in 4000 BC, which is where the civilization games start. And, and for the first, I don't know, 
you know, couple dozen turns, you're basically playing a somewhat more sophisticated in, in terms of having more mechanics um, version of Settle, a Settlers of Catan type board game. Where the Civilization series, starting all the way with the original Civilization, um, diverges from that model is is in allowing you as a player to extend not just into, you know, kind of more classical Greco-Roman style, you know, what we think of as being the, the kind of high ancient world, um, all, but all, really all the way into the present day and, and depending on, you know, the particular civilization game you're playing and, and, the, and the mods and so on, you know, into the future to some extent. Although typically it ends with a kind of a neat, like the, the base vanilla game ends um, in a kind of near future scenario. Um, for the most part, uh, yeah, and and um, well, sorry. Before I go on, did did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Uh, yeah, I do think uh, we're going to talk a lot about like kind of the assumptions of the gameplay and how it relates to like you know real history and politics and stuff. But all that aside, uh, the game is vi- the games are great. Uh, they're fun. They like this is not a. The games are very good. They are yes. extremely addictive in like the best way, yeah. and and highly. Re- and you really can't go yeah. wrong. And, and one of the most interesting things about him is is, um, you know, Sid Meier is a very bright guy. He he, you know, it's not. I, I'm sure he has all kinds of terrible libtard opinions about stuff. But um, as a game designer, he you know his reputation is is well earned. And each individual Civilization game, while there's you know. Um, certainly technological improvements to some extent um, and, and, and certain kind of gameplay refinements really there, there's reason to play each individual one of them. Um, yeah. I was actually going to say that next. Uh, yeah. Every, they are, they're all worth checking out. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the further back you go, the less you're going to probably gonna get out of it, you know, trying to maybe Civ two, you can skip or whatever, but and Civ one, I would say Civ one. I mean, I don't know. I, I actually never really, but Civ two, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's the, the my first exposure to the series, uh, and I sort of grew up with it. But I have very fond memories of the extremely cheesy full motion videos of like your you know Roman era advisor being drunk off his ass, telling you you know whatever. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But it's also but like it's mechanically interesting in certain ways, and yeah, um, yeah, no, 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 yeah. But uh, they're they're all good, and I think we're gonna be kind of negative on it for like some politics stuff, maybe. But yeah. uh, and like how the politics relate to mechanics and the kind of but all that aside, I think we're gonna sound much harsher on this game that we both really really love. I've played yes. every single Civ. Uh, yeah, I haven't finished. I haven't finished a game of Civ one ever, uh, <laughs> but I've played every Civ. Yeah, no, I um I, I have as well, and and I haven't I haven't finished Civ one, but uh yeah, I I think I don't know if I finished a ga- full game in Civ three either, but I really love which which is funny because I I thought. I think in certain ways, Civ three. Well, we could get into like when we when we break down the um, the uh, the titles, sort of in in terms of what's going on in them. But yeah, as far as sort of like um, picking them apart or picking the kind of the the there's this interesting intersection between like, the, uh, and I think that's really you know why we're doing this series the way we're doing it is um, you know what do the mechanics tell you or like what 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 kind of an experience is the the way that you play the game in a kind of visceral level? Like, what what is that training you to do? How is it training you to think? What kind of a message is it sending? 
Um, you know, if we're going to do the thing about the medium is the message, right? Like that definitely applies to video games. And, you know, the, the, one of the most interesting things about video games as a medium is the fact that it, it's, there's a, there's a, there's an extent to which you're kind of actively participating in the process of consuming the media. It's not purely consumptive the way that, you know, watching, um, uh, TV or, 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 um, or movies, or, or even in, a, in in some ways, reading a reading a book, is it's it's there's a kind of feedback loop that's happening in the best games, and I certainly would include Civilization, the series, you know, pretty much every entry among the very best, the kind of the best that the the medium has to offer. Um, it creates this this really interesting dynamic between you know the 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 player and the game, or or the experiencer and the experience, um, but. You know, it. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of things embedded in that. There, there, you know, it's training you, um, perhaps subtly to to think in certain ways, and and probably like the kind of the single biggest way that it's training you to to, to think, or the kind of single biggest thing, which which I think is actually like, it, it's the it's it's the core idea behind the series, and it's wrong, and 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 it's important to call it out as it's, that for being wrong, even if. Um, even you know, even if it's still really fun to play, and and you know, it, it, there's maybe still a lot that can be learned by playing it, um, is this idea of history as linear, of history as progress, as um, and 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 really even in some ways more sinister than that, the idea that like pretty much any random group of humans or random tribe, um, I guess as a side note, there's a kind of interesting dynamic here where where the there, uh, at least to my experience, I haven't really played that much of six yet either. But the, um, the, the, uh, I, I think even Civilization Six, um, which is which is the most recent and and I guess kind of in certain ways the wokest um, civilization, it, it still hasn't really gotten away from this idea of like your civilization as genetic as a, as essentially racial, right? Like we're still talking about racial groups more or less. Um, yeah. Which is, and there's is, there's a lot of also this very uh so I, I i a lot of strategy games have this i guess you call it a flaw and some cover it better than others uh i think total war handles it very well but there's this kind of uh factions as the board issue where the they're kind of very like they'll never crack up or break up there's never yeah. uh, any kind of internal strife yeah. when you take when you take a city there's maybe a delay but then it's yours they're all loyal uh, I think, you know, notably Total War handles this very well, that occasionally you'll have a province, especially a recently conquered province, will bust, break off yeah. in its own, like, rebel faction. And, you know, I think we've all played a Total War game where a rebel, fa like, a rebel faction of Rome got very strong, uh, which is more probably, tr like... Uh, I don't want to, you know, suck off Total War too much. We but... should talk about Total War separately, because maybe as the next episode, because yeah. they're very closely related and, and their yeah. differences are interesting um, the, as well. Yeah, Total the War handles a lot of these things i think in a so better the, way uh, briefly on that the total so the total war I, my experience with, with total war the rome 2 which was I, I actually liked i think more than people many a lot of people but i didn't play it on release i played it once it had been cleaned up a bit um was that you almost had to f like try to trigger a civil war which was unfortunate because and, but i mean it does handle the unrest mechanic pretty well other than that the, the other thing was that the more recent um warhammer total wars do a really great job of basically like no, this city is like a human city or a dwarf city. And if yeah. you're like some other kind of faction, like in certain very rare cases, particularly if you're the same race, you you may be able to occupy it or then again, maybe not. But um, for the most part, if it's like a racially alien province or, or settlement, 
you, you basically you can burn it to the ground, maybe steal some of the stuff, but it's not like you can settle it yourself, which I think is very interesting. And yeah, anyway, we can discuss that in, in a total yeah, war yeah. episode. Um, yeah. But yeah, to, to circle back, the the point I was making was was um, yeah that that like you know so far we're, we're talking about like racial groups, right? Like when you start when you play as a civilization and you t- you choose a leader, you're, you're talking about a a particular racial group or, or or at least some kind of tribe or historical nation. Um, I like to use the Greek ethnos. Um, I think it's a kind of helpful way to like, you know, when you talk about a, a nation, it can be confusing with people like talking about modern statehood theory and stuff like that. We talk about a tribe, like it can sound kind of weird. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. Personally, I, I like to talk sometimes to use the word ethnos. I find that helpful to kind of, particularly when you're talking with, you know, neutrals or shit libs, it, it kind of um, uh, deescalates retor- the, the rhetoric a bit and, and allows them to analyze things a little more objectively. That's just my experience. Anyway, um, the idea of civilization, one of, the, one of the main central ideas of civilization is that like you can have a random they have a they do have a few african civilizations or at least you know um people you can play as who are african who you know the idea is that that that, you know the, the yes that's the idea is that like whatever random group of ethiopians um you know can be just as effective can can develop technologically and 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 um logistically along the exact same lines as the Romans or the Greeks or the Chinese yeah. or like actual people who yeah. in the real world have just developed civilization. And also that every like I I understand why it's this way for the purposes of balancing, but every like scout unit is a scout unit. Every warrior unit is a warrior unit and that is an identical thing. Every knight unit is a knight unit across civilizations. And there's a couple like unique units, but there's very minor differences. Uh, yeah, I mean, typically, I think like you're you're. I mean, it depends on the exact you know which game in the series you're playing and which DLC or not. But for the most part, each civilization gets like one unique unit, um, which you know typically would you know he's kind of early, middle, or late game unit. Um, would based on sort of like you know real world history. Uh, and then they may or may not get some kind of passive bonus or, you know, tweak to a certain kind of general mechanic. And that's basically it. Like, they're kind of interchangeable, you know. And, and it, it's it's like, yeah, you, you can, and I'm sure at higher difficulty levels, or if you're a total autist about it, um, you know, you, you it is the case that you can, like, kind of orient your strategy around your civilization's bonuses. Um, I, I think it's typically pretty... You know, games last so long unless you just demolish everyone in the ancient period um, and and rely on like a special chariot unit or something that that typically you wouldn't build your whole strategy around your 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 civilization's unique unit. It's again just kind of a nice a nice thing to have in certain circumstances. But for the most part, um, and overwhelmingly, like the the civilizations don't really feel different, and that's by design, right? The the again very much like the settlers of Catan bit um the whole point here is you know every human racial group has equal potential they just sort of you know uh for essentially random reasons they didn't necessarily all develop down the same track um and that's another interesting thing is is that the technology tree itself um is very linear one one of the things i like the most about civilization 2 and civilization 3 
is the um, relative complexity of, about the tech tree. I realize that I'm prob- probably alone in that. But it, but you can tell. I mean, I remember back when when I got Civilization Two on you know multimedia CD-ROM, that that the uh, it came with this giant you know glossy printout of the tech tree showing how you know you had to have. I don't even remember exactly, but it, it was really quite complex of, of of you know what you had to have in place in terms of like you know you need pottery to to have the you know whatever grain silos and i mean i guess that's pretty common actually across the series but but it was really well it was not just kind of like four you know sort of overarching themes with kind of a very few dependencies between them the way you see in in more modern civilization game or more more recent i guess i should say um it it was it was much more complicated and and with a lot more kind of um in almost cul-de-sacs like you could, if you wanted to race for a certain technology you could you could do that and it could give you a certain kind of advantage in certain situations. Um, and then you could make up the difference later versus the, the, there's really not a whole lot of, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, my personal experience with the more recent civilization games is, you know, you kind of always have to go down more or less the same path, especially in the beginning. Yeah. There's also an interesting way of how the game handles, uh, research, which is kind of a very like product of world war two, I think in that, like, you have X amount of scientists doing science and you allocate them. And like, if you put more scientists on a project, you'll break through faster, Yeah, which is, you know, right. Well, it makes mechanical sense, but like, doesn't make a intuitive sense in how technology, you know, improves in, in societies. Well, it would be funny, right. If there was like a mod that like, you know, with the replication crisis mod or something where like the more (laughs) scientists you add to a project, like the budget goes up and there's a lot of political infighting and they all have gender pronouns and it actually makes the the result worse. Right. Uh, But I think, uh, and this is actually ameliorated quite well, I think by the great people system where you can just cheat in a scientist, like, cause you know, technology scientists, Technology is advanced by, like, you know, breakthroughs by great men. And I think if you get a great scientist, you just get a free tech. That's probably a more, like, historical, uh, you know, method of, you know, doing science, right? Than this kind of, like, brute force by, you know, discovery. Well, of course. The, um, well, the, the brute force by discovery thing is, is as you, you exactly rightly point out is, is essentially a product of the second world war and the industrialization of the the scientific process which which only works up to a point and really only for certain kinds of applications like that i that would say model, i would say yeah. i would say refinements it goes refinements exactly very well within a yes. single there's no yes. breakthroughs it's good refinements. no yeah and you you need individual visionary genius men of science to have those kind of breakthroughs and i think you know one of the kind of sad points about our current situation is um to the extent that we have people who are capable of that you know either they're being seduced by the uh, the promise of riches in in something like the the finance capital or you know investment banking sector or at least they were as of you know five ten years ago um the scientific establishment really actively discourage not just i mean it, it drives people like that out of the system i mean i can no docs, but I can speak to that personally. So, so uh, yeah, you know, it, it's um, 
it's quite sad what what has become of our of our scientific establishment and just the ethos that pervades it of you know the the whole thing is is um predicated on this model that that doesn't it's not it's not really designed to it's it's designed to get you like better vr porn goggles it's designed to get you like faster wi-fi it is not designed to 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 break new ground in scientific frontiers that's just not really any part of of what the system is interested in um and yeah as far as like the civilization i think part of the 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 critique that we're articulating of the civilization series or, or is that um essentially the, the idea is like you know the, these developments were inevitable like it's inevitable that you know once you have uh steel you know um metallurgy that you're going to get horseshoes and once you have horseshoes it's inevitable that you're going to get you know, uh, chariots. And once you have chariots, it's inevitable that you're going to, you know, and, you, and, and that's just not how, that's not how things work. I, there's, there's a real, um, it, the, the, the series as a whole, this was originally a point that, uh, my buddy, uh, Yamnaya wine, uh, mindset from, um, uh, right wing Dharma squads made. And, and it's a really good one. And, and something that I think is really important to understand is, you know, th these things are not, inevitable and and not only are they not inevitable that that knowledge can be lost i think that's really one of the things that um is the most problematic about about civilization and the kind of the, the way that civilization makes you think about history and 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 human society is um now apparently i saw an, uh, an interview once with, with sid meyer where he was saying how they were they were kind of like they were trying they initially for the first game civilization one they were trying they had a thought and in, in, in early versions of it and while they were iter iterating on the game it had a mechanic for like a dark age where essentially like things reach a certain kind of bad point and your progress is slowed and you get all kind of negative bonuses but then uh, or in other words like negative modifiers not <laughs> whatever and then yeah. but then at a certain point um you emerge from that and you know, like this kind of renaissance mechanic and and you know you're back on track okay so like what ended up happening was that players did not like that they, they felt they were being punished for essentially no reason which i can understand um people play video games typically as a kind of power fantasy not and there's i don't think there's anything wrong with that but the idea that you're gonna the the game is going to kind of artificially restrain you even if it's ultimately to reward you for having been restrained in the long run like this idea that you know we're going to go through this period of collapse or, or whatever is you know people don't like that they just want to reload the save and and continue to to grow along the power curve exponentially and and so the the series kind of from the get-go was accommodating to that but, but but notice the idea like i don't think it was ever proposed uh, and it certainly never actually made it into any of the civilization games that like you know okay you're there's a succession crisis or something and your political system collapses and and then you like lose the ability to whatever shoe horses let's say um whereas in reality you know we know, like we don't know how to make roman concrete the romans made bridges that are that are still around 2000 years later our bridges are are falling down after 50 years and and even those bridges a lot of the you know techniques as far as just basic metallurgy of like making the 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 materials the the, the you know the, the the things that are act the, the bolts that are going to go into a bridge like we don't know how to make all that that's all outsourced now you know if you want if we wanted to make our own you know, basic industrial materials at this point in time as Americans, like physically, we could not do that. We are physically yeah. incapable of that at this moment in time. Even more modern stuff, like one of the late technologies that I like is conscription, right? 
the U.S. has lost, like, in real life, the conscription yeah, technology. That's exactly right. We don't right. have the infrastructure. We couldn't, we could not have a draft if we wanted to. Uh, so, in theory, we should lose the ability to <laughs> do certain things. And we have. We yeah. don't, we can't make it, you know. Uh, and I, that's, uh, that, which kind of brings you to another thing with uh, how military stuff is handled in Civ. Because oh, yeah, that's a whole, yes. That's a great seg you, yes. It's it's a it's a weird so that it, this is probably the most iterated on from game to game, and it's a very weird kind of uh, system because you can win uh, in all kinds of ways, right? So, uh, you know, the military in Civ is either this kind of thing you have to put a certain minimum points in to defend yourself and try to win through some other means, or it's this uh, only it's or it's like the only thing you do. And you just you crank out a bunch of units and uh, borg up and have a you know and just absorb other civilizations to win. But uh, I, it's really kind of it's it's really fun. Like the the I, I think it's very simple, but the combat in Civ is enjoyable. Like uh, when you're defending, I think a city against like a push, that's one of the most uh, pleasurable things in in Civ is you know. A, Running, running a good defense uh, in, across almost all the civs, but it's there's a lot of weirdness with like how units are and exist. Like you will, you can you know the, the classic was you create like a warrior unit who's like a caveman, and then he doesn't upgrade alongside you, right? Um, so you're you know oh now you're making riflemen, you're making redcoats, and you still have these like cavemen hanging around in your core cities. Uh, there's a lot of weirdness with that. Uh, that, it, you know, it's kind of hard to see. Also, the way they make military units, uh, interestingly, outside of a couple instances, doesn't deduct from your population at all. Right. There, it's, very, it's very kind of neoliberal America where the military is a separate thing you just shove money and production into. Right. And it goes in fights, and there's no, like, negative... I mean, there's like the happiness meter will drop a little bit, but there's no not like, even necessarily. Yeah, if you can, there's like there's basically a warrior caste in your society that is utterly separate from it. Like yeah, and you, you know, could like pay them to be active soldiers or not pay them to be active soldiers, but they, you know that doesn't impact your population numbers. It doesn't. Um, pretty much impact it's like as you say it's completely siloed off i i think in 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 different ways both um paradox games uh and and the total war series do a much better job of like for the paradox series in particular there's they you know obviously your population is a like key metric and your soldiers are drawn from your population and when they die in mass numbers on the battlefield like your population goes down and they're hard to replace right um total war doesn't measure population quite that way but it, it i think it does a good like the, as a whole especially in more you know recent entries in the series um there's a really an understanding of like armies are expensive to field they are expensive to maintain they take time to recover from any kind of like an early total earlier total war games you could just essentially pay an arbitrary amount of money and your dudes are fine more recent entries i think starting with shogun 2 which is which is a really an all-time all high for this year. Anyway, we'll talk about Total War another time. Um, 
No, you, you have to like wait for them to heal up essentially. And, um, you know, slowly get more guys from your, you know, population centers and get them trained up, et cetera. Um, which, you know, works, uh, pretty well. Um, there's the, the one of the interesting developments in in the the civilization series is there's a there's a kind of a big break between civilizations one through four and civilizations five and six um real directly related to this issue of of you know how are we going to handle military conflict in earlier entries in the series um it isn't just that military conflict was kind of abstracted in you know in terms of like yeah you have like spear like there's a Fame, it is mathematically possible for a spearman unit like from the you know iron age to defeat a modern battleship unit just because it's mathematically possible you know it's just like the the spearman unit has a attack value the battleship unit has a defense value and if the attack value and the defense value works out you know based on the random number generator then tough shit right um and I think that's still the case to some extent, but but it's but the 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 thing is like your your um in terms of the physical layout of the series, you'd almost never see just one individual unit on one individual tile. You have the this mechanic, you know, very famously these uh, stacks of doom, where you know um, I think it's the, the the exact number changes, but I think it's typically either ten or twenty units you can have in a single stack, and the the essentially military power value of your stack is determined by the units in it and again there's no question of like logistics there's no question of you know how many modern fighting units can you have in one on one like tile of farmland at a time that's just not a question that ever really enters into it it's 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 really it's quite more it's more thoroughly abstracted than pretty much any other aspect of the um of the gameplay Whereas in, in Civilization Five and Six, they move to a more classic um, wargaming type gameplay strategy, where one unit you only ever can only ever have one unit on one hex at a time, and and this like people have been asking for this for I mean decades I guess at that point it was you know the, the Civilization One is in ninety one Civilization Five is in twenty ten so. For almost 20 years, you know, this was like a, a kind of a common um, issue that, you know, people who wanted a more military conflict, um, a, a more kind of deep layer to the to the uh, military conflict side of things um, were asking for. Because, yeah, it's um, it forces you to think more tactically in terms of territory. You know, it, choke points become much more important. It's much less easy for one uh doom stack with you know 20 of the best units in the historical you know like if you could just get to a certain level of technological advancement crank out 20 of the best type of units that you can have at that period you can pretty much often just like run across the whole map um this was a problem going all the way back to civilization one and they introduced some mechanics to try to like mitigate that to some extent but they never really worked i think i think three and four kind of figured that out to some extent but but even there it was sort of like you you um you typically wanted a, you know a, a very few stacks of just your best units just all piled up on each other and and just kind of rampage as best you could um that's no longer viable as of the more recent in, uh, entries the the problem is um it it again like in some ways it makes it i wouldn't say more of a war game but but it it, it certainly like 
I don't know that it succeeds either as a kind of, you know, military strategy game or as a kind of um, abstraction of the military aspect of civilizational struggle. But maybe you have more thoughts on that. So I think the, the kind of the he- going to the, the hex model. Uh, so I didn't there, there were more elegant ways to solve the problem, I think, uh, without going to the only one unit per tile thing. I think actually, notably, the Civilization mobile games, which came out later with some lessons learned, they're not hex-based. It's the you know the boxes, the four x fours, and uh, what they do is is they instead of uh, you know having you know these massive doom stacks or just a single unit, you can take three of a kind units and make it like a, a times three, like a basically make you have like a you know battalions. You can get three times make it division, basically you know. Is what they're kind of trying to abstract. I think that was a more elegant than going just just purely to uh, tiles because there is a certain amount of like positioning weirdness that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like if you have uh, you know all these like say three legions of Roman legionaries, they shouldn't be like getting each other's way, right? In the way that they do with the hex, the hex is like yeah, it makes exactly. It, but it's also I do want to point. It is like a I do enjoy like that. It's a lot more combat. fun to play. I will say that it, it's yeah. definitely way more fun to play on a military. Like when when you when there is the inevitable war, you know, with your neighbor, it it feels better. It's more fun to play for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. Like when I kind of step back from it, I think like you know because I love hex based war games. Um, I I recently just completed a you know uh, went back over the original Unity of Command. We could I don't know we should talk about that sometime but you know i I, i'm a big fan of hex based hex based war games my problem is like you know if i'm playing a hex based war game like unity of command or 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 you know whatever um the whole game is oriented around like you know typically an you know operational scenario or sometimes you know a smaller somewhat smaller scale but but for the most part it's like you know you you um every mechanic in the game and everything about the game is oriented towards um towards that kind of like a, an approach where you just you have certain strategic objectives you need certain you know victory points or whatever and and everything is is oriented in that direction that is not the case for civilization like at best uh at you know the kind of far tail scenario military conflict is just one of several you know tip, you know a couple different you know half a dozen or more ways to win the game you typically can't completely neglect your military. Um, But, you know, and it can be fun to win militarily, but it's not the only way to win the game. And and in some ways it's like the least interesting way to win the game. And so, you know, whenever you do find yourself involved in some kind of a war, like it can be kind of momentarily interesting. It does feel better, but, but to me often it sort of feels like, you know, um, because, the series as a whole is not really about military conflict. That's not like, and, and that's again, a kind of thing going back to the beginning is like, there's always this sense of, you know, military is one of the tools you have at your disposal, but this is not primarily a you know military simulation game. In fact, it's not really a simulation at all. It's not as deep and it's not, it doesn't work as well as purely, you know, military simulation type hex based strategy games. At least that's how I feel about it. Well, another thing that I think is an issue with, the military stuff is that it's not it's so there is this kind of promise of civilization where you'll be 
doing all this great negotiation and cutting deals with other players about technology and economics and resources, but it's not really borne out very well uh, with the AI. On a, you can do it with like player games, obviously, but that's you know because because you're talking to a human. But when you're trying to like impose your will on another civ, the only way to really do it is militarily. There's no like there's like some there's like trade you can kind of do and you know tech trading and stuff but if you want to uh kind of affect another civ in any meaningful way the only way to do it is to like attack them right there's no the uh there, there, there's not a lot of, like the class relations is only ever in a very like military sense it's very rare. Yeah, there's it never happens. really anything like the space race, right? I mean, we'll kind of, yeah. we could get into maybe the, of, yeah. that victory condition, yeah. but even that is like, I would say, you know, well, okay, there's okay. So one of the kind of more famous ways you can win, which which launched the really highly received um, spinoff Alpha Centauri, is by being the first civilization to send a colony ship successfully to Alpha Centauri, right? And and this is kind of like again very much in the I mean it's interesting how many of the design sensibilities are like a kind of Francis Fukuyama end of history um, take on things and and with like the you know World War Two and and the Cold War as really the kind of like um, theoretical frame through which we're 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 designing all these these game mechanics but be that as it may the the yes so it is a kind of one of the more famous and this has been you know the case for the whole series is is yes you can send. Um, you can send colonists to Alpha Centauri, and and the idea or one of the ideas there is is that you are um, you are how to say in a kind of a space race or a version of the space race, a 21st century version of the space race. Um, and you know you're trying to race. You know if, if things get to a certain point, you're trying to you know complete your spaceship and and with enough parts. And there can be there's a you know mechanic there where it's like you can have a risk reward calculation where maybe you send it off before absolutely everything is ready in order to beat someone who's trying to be more safe. So it's like, you know, but then maybe your ship blows up on the way. And so then you get these kind of setbacks and okay, that can be interesting, but there's not like, okay. So, you know, what's interesting to me is like, take the, go back to the second world war for a minute, which, you know, this isn't, this was kind of a unique in certain ways in human history phenomenon, but it, it was an important part of the second world war. And, and, and you would think that it would somehow make its way into this kind of like the sensibility at least would make its way into the, um, into the game is is the idea of an arms race right where you know you you had like the german armor was initially you know kind of unparalleled um and it was wasn't necessarily super duper effective but it was it was like they did you know the the russians didn't initially have anything that could penetrate it so then they started working on their anti-tank technology and for for quite a while the uh the russians had uh armor superiority which led to the germans you know trying to crank out more and more advanced um Panzer designs, which, you know, like they didn't, <laughs> in the end, I, I think that the Germans um, lost that particular struggle in part because of, you know, other other issues. Uh, I don't want to go too far down that road. The, and you saw the same thing in aviation, right, where um, the Luftwaffe was was uh, was just completely, you know, unparalleled. And, and, and really, I mean, they had the finest pilots throughout the whole war, but uh, eventually it took, you know, the, the development of radar to get some kind of defense, defensive capability up for initially the British and then later the Americans to, um, to be effective uh, in, in countering the Luftwaffe, which had you know, complete technological superiority for most of the early phases. Um, 
there's nothing like that really in, in civilization it, it, you know, you, 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 again, there's that sense of like this linear kind of progression and yes, a rifle, you know, a unit with a rifle will beat a unit with a spear pretty much every time. But it's, it's typically, you're, you're almost never, at least not in my experience. And I've been playing these games. I play these games a lot. I don't know. Maybe you have a different experience. It's, it's not like you have a neighbor who is similarly technologically advanced to you and you're like, trying to de- trying desperately to like rush through getting you know incremental technological refinements um even the way you saw to some extent in like you know the byzantines versus the ottomans um uh in in real life you know like and and you're trying desperately to get whatever technological advantage you can in order to have more effective military units and, and win an arms race that way um that's a very common dynamic in actual human conflicts over over history and and i just have never really experienced a game that went that way in civilization yeah, there's definitely in terms of like technology gaps, it's kind of a they're always crushing, right? There's no incrementalism. Uh, once again, you could point out uh, other uh, you know games that handle it better, Total War, Paradox games. But also, I think uh, Civ is in uh, you know as an as an abstracted conflict. One thing it kind of does do well is demonstrate like the, the technology gap very well uh, because it's a much grander in scope than a total war you know so uh, there is you know you've all had that experience of like you happen upon this tiny sieve that all oh, the ai sucks or whatever and they're still messing around with spearmen and you just run them over right and yeah, that is like that's always very fun yes <laughs> yeah and it is like correct you know yes. that and that and that has happened you know a lot uh in history yeah the, so, the, the problem oh sorry go on I think I think it's kind of a, uh, you know, if I can, you know, I, we've been very, you know, high on total war, um, until in terms of total war, like, there's a kind of a the other end of that spectrum is that, you know, uh, you have you know, uh, units of like marginally better spearmen, that you put a lot of effort into getting, and then they just, but if they have like two old school spearmen, you're, you're they're better. Because there's two of them, right? Right, yes. So, you know, there's... And that's not, you know, quite historically. Professional armies tend to do better. You know, there's... There's, you know... You know, there are... There's compromises made in the the kind of grand scope of civilization. And I think it is really unmatched in, you know, in its scope uh, as uh, compared to other 4X games. I I agree. Uh, And, and again, none of this should be taken as some kind of, like... We're critiquing in the kind of (laughs) Kantian sense. We're not, like... Uh, you know, we're not uh, tearing these apart because we hate them or something. Um, yeah, I like, I don't think it could be. So there's ways it maybe could be better, but I think it's a lot of Civ's abstractions are good enough. I think. Yeah, that, on the whole, it works. I I mean, I, it would be interesting to see. You know, one of our guys. Um, you know, put a kind of more uh, right-wing spin on it because what I was going to say before is my, you know, my problem with the the scenario you outlined, which I think any player of Civilization has experienced, is you know, if you get far enough in the game, even if you're not necessarily pursuing a military victory, it's like yeah, you reach a certain point of technological development, you have advanced guys, you come across like a, you know, a Bronze Age civilization, you're like oh, and you know, just steamroll them and take their shit. Yes, definitely. The 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 problem is, you know. It, it's designed that your sieve that does that could be, you know, the, the Nubian queens, which I, I uh, before the show, I, I, I kind of ruined the online, the uh, on-air react, but uh, 
uh, Louis, you hadn't seen the uh, the Nubian Civilization pack, uh, which I, I suggest anyone listening to this check out for the uh, We Was Queens and shit. Uh, but yeah, so you could be Nubia with uh, Queen Latifah uh, over here uh, as your as your civilization leader, and um, and just steamroll like you know Alaric, who's leading the Germans, right? And who's like they're stuck they're stuck with 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 um, <laughs> stuck without irrigation and 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 haven't even gotten to chariots, but you with your Nubian rifles are. are you know, and I get it at a certain level in terms of like, you know, you do want to. Um, it's fun. It's fun to play different kind of civilizations. You don't want everything, you know, it's not that like you just want to do the same thing all the time. Um, it can be fun to to play as different civilizations, but it it's it's not. Um, I don't know. It, it, in some ways, it gets back to that issue of like, you know, how do you, it, it maybe and maybe it's not a solvable problem. Maybe just you know the 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 mechanics would have to be this way in order for the game to be a certain you know intelligible in certain ways as a kind of game. Like, what would it even look like if if you know the races were? Let, I mean, let's leave aside the question of like a you know uh, a dissident right kind of human biodiversity type thing where like you know your, your racial qualifications whatever they might be are you know dispositive and and some are just way extreme in either direction um okay that wouldn't be fun probably um but you could you know is it even but okay in the absence of that is it possible to have a fun game that wasn't kind of interchangeable at some level in terms of the civs i don't know yeah well i think uh it's a different kind of game right i think what excellence again like total war and paradox games handle this better where it's just one era of history and not trying to do every single era. Like one idea I, you know, I kicked around my head was like, well, what if like other civs kind of randomly generated in, you know, like, Oh, you know, uh, you know, as, as like, you know, you get into the bronze age, whatever, there's like a steppy nomad guys that just pop in at like the correct level of technology. Right. Or, uh, or it's like things like that. Or like, uh, you know, if you get too... Well, one of the other things that we got, I don't want to segue into it yet is that there's this issue with Civ uh, that's been, I think, fixed very well recently where if you built, like, a shitload of cities, uh, you won. Like, it was you could just spam cities out, right, and win. But maybe, you know, at a certain point, you know, if your civilization is over a certain size threshold, that has to split. Because that's kind of how, you know, interaction worked. Or, or even ways... Uh, there's... They're, they kind of kicked it around with some of the city-state stuff in 5 and 6. But uh, the idea of, like, having sub-factions in your, within your Civ. Yeah. Like, with the city-states, in, uh, you could, like, kind of get them loyal to you or, or be, like, vassals. Right. Um, and I think there's there's value in that, but they don't ever, like, break away, right? I think that I, I, there's a lot of, like, ideas for solving these problems, but I couldn't think of one that would, like, work 100%, you know? Uh, that you know, good. No, well, I was no, no, no. I, I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, how do you handle? Like, I mean, again, it speaks to this issue of like the power fantasy, right? And and yeah. how <laughs> I can only imagine, like you know, even myself, like you know, you're in the middle of a game and and kind of without warning. I mean, the the problem is like the more warning you give, the more it becomes a mechanic, just another mechanic that can be gamed, like the civil war mechanic in in total. 
Rome two total war. Um, yeah, like, you know, it, it's, it, it, but if you did it without warning or, or close, you know, something, you know, without much warning, then it's like one yeah. second you're on, you know, your, your, your giant empire is, um, you know, kicking ass everywhere. The next it's, it's split into three or four, you know, yeah. internal civil war, civilly warring factions. Like that's not necessarily any fun. And then which one yeah. do you take control over? Um, yeah. and to Civ's credit, I think, uh, they, always have uh, air aired on the side of the player's enjoyment, uh, which I think is a perfectly noble answer to these questions, you know, uh, so compared to like a more paradox, like brutal, brutal sim. I think the, uh, yeah, right. No, it's exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, well, that's, I guess one of the big differences is, is paradox as a studio, as a publisher in a studio are really trying to make a simula- simulation and, and, you know, like there are hundreds and hundreds of dollars for deals of DLC for each game. Like, you know, on one level you could say, okay, they're adding mechanics and getting people to pay money for blah, blah, blah. Okay. That's true. But there's a, there's a, I don't know. There's, there's one way you can look at it, which is, you know, what the, I think that the design aesthetic or, or the kind of governing, you know, methodology with the way they're approaching the problem is, um, how do we make the best, most realistic, and in some ways complicated, you know, com- complicated where, you know, ideally it needs, it should be, and it's helpful and, and, and streamlining things that maybe should be streamlined um, and they don't maybe always get the balance right exactly. But nonetheless, the idea is we want to make a simulation of history. We want it, you know, like what what is actually like given certain conditions, like what are realistic possibilities for development and if you want to take agency and you could you could just let i mean one of my favorite things you know for the I have, i'm not like huge into paradox games but i have played some and it's definitely always fun to just let the cpu do its thing right that that can be like quite fun on its own and then yeah if you want to hand over the reins to the player then you know you, you make them operate within that kind of a framework where they have to take consideration of these very very um nitty-gritty uh, considerations and and it really you know I, I think uh, it's a recurring joke in 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 our thing where it's like what is it they call it like a supply chain management simulator which is not wrong that's definitely like you know you could look at paradox games that way and then it's not wrong but um, the the point is that you know the the reason I guess why that joke lands uh, and and why you know so many of the people who play you know thousands of hours of paradox games kind of hate them is because they're not really games. Right, they're like at a at a really in a really important way. They're like kind of self-contained simulated worlds, and that can be engrossing. It can be entertaining, at least sometimes. But it's not typically like fun, or, or at least the, having fun is not what Paradox is really aiming for. The way that Sid Meier is definitely aiming for. He wants to create an enjoyable, fun game, a fun experience, and and that's just a very different design aesthetic. Yeah, it is obviously you know. Civ has always been a little more cartoony in its in its look, you know. Uh, and all Sid Meier's games are kind of like even like Sid Meier's Pirates. Sid Meier's yeah. did. Did uh, you ever play? I actually really enjoyed it. It was I think it was another um, kind of quasi adaptation of a of a board game. Uh, was it Sid Meier's Ace Patrol? Did you ever play that? No, I did play Civ City Rome though, which is pretty good. Okay, although although bad in other ways. But, uh, <laughs> well, I, Ace Patrol. I, the reason I mention is first of all, I, it's actually a pretty good aviation sim. It's a it's a I think the original was was First World War and the second was Second World War. But it, it's like it 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 kind of gave me like it's a very bizarre experience because 
like the rules are, are, are it's basically like aviation combat rules and and it, it again it's quite good it takes you know elevation and 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 you know characteristics of your flight envelope and stuff like that into consideration and it's, it's straight up combat like there is no negotiation it's just straight up like aerial combat um but the whole thing is in like pastel colors and all the pilots have like smiling faces and you know even in like certain kind of modes if you put like hard iron man on uh, you know like you, you there is a kind of permadeath depending um but like it, it's it's still just kind of very cartoony and like oh i got shot down oh well you know next time yeah and then the, the portraits themselves are like the 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 developers in the studio which means you have like random like indian women and and you know like bajit girl and and like it's all it's it, it, like you know flying a uh a, a um a fokker in world war one or whatever it's 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 just kind of like ridiculous but it goes to show you you know you have this really uh mechanically tactically very interesting game um with a kind of very serious and 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 um tragic theme of you know yeah these these pilots you know gunning each other down in this completely senseless conflict um but it's all bright and shiny and happy and they're all smiling and nobody really dies and it's just sort of like okay i guess yeah uh in that kind of sensibility pervades uh i think like the the, the i guess you call them like the lesser or the basically the other sid meier's games uh sid meier's pirates is a very similar vibe where in theory you're this like you know, rampaging across, you know, uh, the Spanish main. Um, but, like, when you go to actual combat, it's like you kick the enemy captain off the boat, like, physically, like, into the water. There's a big splash, and then, like, you win. That's, like, the, the goal of a, <laughs> right. of a, of a ship, ship fight. And he, like, shakes his fist at you from the water. Yeah. Like, I'll get yeah. you next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think I think they're... Sid Barrett has like a very fun sensibility that I think uh, kind of, I think, I don't know, I, I guess he's gotten older or kind of gotten away, but you don't see like Sid Meier's front and center as any, as much as you used to. True. Uh, I, th- I, I imagine, I mean, I imagine he was pretty old when he was making them initially too. So I imagine he should kind of retire and stepping back. But uh, I remember in Civ 4, uh, the, the tutorial was like coached by him. Like, Sid Meier's would come in and like CGI like one of the the uh, leaders, and most players skip the tour because it was optional and it's kind of like off to the side. But it's just this guy in this, and it's like just looks just like him. It's just kind of schlubby guy, uh, overweight in a polo shirt. He's like, all right, say move your units around. And it's it's, I think there was a kind of charm that he brought to things that is kind of uh, absent uh, in the more modern iterations of uh, Civ games. Yeah, that that's all. I'm trying to look up his his age, and it turns out I guess I I may I may have misspoke. I guess there was a board game called Civilization from 1980, but I I know that I know that Settlers of Catan was was definitely um, a major influence on the. I mean, I've I've seen stuff with Sid Meier where he's discussed that before. Uh, he's born in 1954, so yeah, he's he's getting up there. Wow, yeah, that's very yeah. old for it. Yeah, I mean he'll be seven yeah, remember, in a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I remember him being old at the, like, at the time, right? So uh, one uh, one thing I do kind of want to briefly touch on is the uh, the meme of Gandhi declaring nuclear war. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, yes. So I think if you're a Civ fan, you've heard this story six million times. Uh, 
you know, if you like, if if you read like the articles about it, because there's always every year there's some article in some video game website. But so uh, there is this tendency. Uh, there's this meme of nuclear Gandhi, and the reason for it is uh, the AI uh, is one of the kind of the high outside of the military stuff maybe, or even it's kind of, it's one of the high points. Some civs are kind of poorly run and they kind of glitch out and suck. But generally, your AI opponents, you'll have a few of them that are they're pretty decent. And they are designed to, uh, every faction has a leader, right? It's Gandhi for the Indians, Genghis Khan for the uh, Mongols, George Washington for the Americans, etc. And they all have, uh, you know, attributes into how their AI plays. Genghis Khan is more aggressive, certain are more economic, certain are more scientific, uh, all these kind of things. And uh, there's a, so every... Uh, in the early games, every uh, leader had like a, a like a aggressions aggression score or a warlike score, and it was between one to twelve. Uh, twelve being just Genghis Khan was the most aggressive AI uh, leader, and Gandhi was a, a one at the least aggressive, right? And there's an interesting mechanic. I believe it, I believe it was Civ two. It might have been Civ one, but I'm pretty sure it was Civ two where this meme originates. Where if a civilization adopts democracy, uh, the AI's leader aggression drops by two points. Uh, I kind of kind of reflect that in the gameplay. And uh, Gandhi had you know, the the, the a, there's a little more going on than, than you would let on with the AI civs. They try to they try to potato a little bit historically. And for instance, one of the things is uh, Gandhi will always pursue democracy uh, if given the option, right? And democracy is a very late game technology. And at that point, generally, everyone's got weapons that, at a certain point, everyone has nukes in Civ. And that's about the time, or right before the time, democracy is, is adopted. So the issue was, Gandhi would have, if he had nuclear weapons at all, and then he, he learned the democracy technology, and he would immediately adopt it, right? And that would drop his aggression score two points from... Uh, from 1 to 99 on a 12 scale. And you can see the issue that it's you're, if, if you're a 99 aggression on a 12 scale, you just attack everybody immediately. Uh, the, you know, there's no... So he would immediately declare war on every single other faction. Was the idea like it was supposed to be 99 peaceful and he, it was accidentally no, 99? No, no. It's a score. It's an aggression score. So it's... one. This scale is 1 to 12 right. of aggression. So 1 is the least aggressive. Right. Gandhi is the least aggressive AI. Right. When he when he adopts democracy, he drops two points because they all drop two ah, points. So he goes to nine. No, ninety nine. Oh, he goes to no, ninety nine on, on a twelve scale. Yeah. Does so the just, game recognize ninety nine as a valid? Because like it, could, it, does, it could go either because way. Yeah. He declares war on everybody. Yeah. And he dro- launches all his nukes immediately. <laughs> uh, and this this is a fun glitch, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and you. And uh, it really is, you know, hilarious that Gandhi is just kind of... <laughs> He's like, instantly and freaks out. And, yeah. Also, like, implies certain things. I don't want to get too deep into it because it's not at all implied, but, like, uh, Gandhi was very clear that if he had the option to be warlike, he would have been. <laughs> uh, but it, Yeah, well, he was, like, I mean, you know, he, he was a, he was a uh, Pajit supremacist, you know. Not, yeah, you not know. Not there's anything wrong with that. But, yeah, it was, he, you know. Yeah, he was like, if I had the, if we had the arms to do an armed revolution, I'd have done, that, done it that way, right? Um. But no, he so, also yeah, said, when somebody asked him, like, what do you think about Western civilization? He said, I think it'd be a good idea. So like, which, yeah, you know, funny, yeah. that's, you know, points. Good for, bands, yeah. Yeah. You know, 
he was British educated, British educated, so you know, yeah. decent decent banter. Uh, but yeah, so that that's kind of the origin, and, and that's kind of stated. It's obviously toned down, uh, but generally there is this kind of nuclear Gandhi uh, meme, which is you know very fun. And uh, I would say that's probably most the most uh, mainstream Civ meme. Yes. You can, that's funny. I'd heard of that. I mean, I've heard about it. I just always because I never really played Civ One that much. Certainly didn't never completed a game and. Um, I uh, I guess I just hadn't experienced it, so I just assumed it was kind of like in people's memory that it was, you know, because yeah. yeah, even if it's Gandhi, so what? Like, sometimes it's going to happen, and just like like with the battle, the spearman defeating a battleship thing, like mathematically, because these are purely al- you know, yeah. computer program is just a pure algorithm. Like sometimes, given RNG, like weird shit happens, you know. But yeah. but that's funny that it was actually yeah. <laughs> like there's more to it than that. Speaking of, uh, I do want to talk briefly on how it handles nuclear weapons. Oh, yeah, that's um, a great topic. Yeah. And I want to point out, there's a lot of, I, I kind of want to get this out of the way, that it's kind of weird how they handle it, but one Civ ha- game handled it the best, and that's the mobile games. Mm-hmm. The Civ mobile games have, a, I think, the most realistic mechanic of nuclear weapons, where the first person to build the uh, Manhattan Project gets one nuke, and it's really strong. But there's only one nuke in the whole game, and they get it, kind of to replicate replicate the like immediate first use effect of getting a nuke that uh, that happened to the Americans. And after that nuke is launched, there's no more nukes. And basically, uh, the, I think the, the it kind of abstracts that after you know they get used in anger once, uh, every civ gets them pretty quick, so they just don't they're just not represented. So I think that's probably the the slickest way to handle it. Yeah. Because other civs handle games handle it kind of bizarrely. Um, where they just get used very willy-nilly, I think. Yeah, it's a weird combination of, like, so on the one hand, like kind of every nuke is a tactical nuke, right? Like, you, yes. you have ICBMs, but in terms of, like, how they are mechanically represented in, in function, like, okay, you launch an ICBM at Moscow, but, like, it's not like Moscow immediately retaliates by, even if they have all their you know, enough nukes, which they typically don't just because it's prohibitive from a gameplay perspective, but it's not like, you know, you have mutually assured destruction and then everything's wiped off the map typically, or, you know, it's just like functionally it's treated as though like any other attack on Moscow. Right. Uh, well actually is, there is like a, it's a little more increases the aggression bar against you. Right. But it doesn't matter because you're at war. Right. yeah, the, the the kind of there's no way to get more at there's no degrees of warfare. Right. Active. Yeah, war is you already the either, lowest diplomatic relation you can have. Yeah, you are either at peace or at war. Uh, well, no, you no, could like, be like I mean, there's like kind of great. I mean, yes, you in that sense it's binary. There's also I mean, you, it sort of represents like you know their attitude towards you of you know you're yeah. you can be more or less hostilely disposed. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, once you're like, maximally just, hostile at war, then yeah. it's not like you can be more at war by launching nukes and yeah. And also, tac- there's very little difference between like in terms of how you interact with them. There's if it's like most angry points without being at war and most positive points, they behave towards you in basically the same way. Uh, this the, you know, this interaction is very binary in that sense. Yeah. 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 But 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 I mean to, to, so but to get back to the issue of like the use of nuclear weapons, I think it's you know, um, it's an interesting question. Like I guess it's you know in some ways. Let's hope it, it never gets uh, resolved in empirical terms in the real world. But, you know, I, I've seen both arguments. I'm not um, 100% convinced either way. I mean, I just don't know, and, and maybe it's better that way. But 
you know, I've seen schools of thought where, yeah, essentially like, you know, the, the classic doctrine is mutually assured destruction. Nobody uses, um, nuclear weapons, even probably tactical weapon, tactical nuclear weapons. You know, you have a hundred armored divisions pouring across the fold of gap. You're still not going to use a, a nuclear weapon that could in theory only hit those armored divisions without affecting anything else because you know when the soviet high command will react to that by like not nuking your forward deployed wherever in the ardennes or whatever but they're they're gonna like nuke baltimore um and then i've seen the 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 the, uh kind of counter perspective which is um and i guess i lean towards this maybe i don't know that um essentially like i mean if you look at the numbers yes of course there were a lot more people in tokyo than in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but the death toll was higher and nuclear weapons, you know, there's some kind of additional externalities, of course, especially radiation um, poisoning and and the delayed effects that that can create, which, you know, again, fortunately, it seems that they're not, you know, like Chernobyl is kind of recovering and and Hiroshima and Nagasaki have recovered. And and so it's not the end of the world for those places that get hit. But uh, that basically nuclear weapons should be understood as on a spectrum with conventional weapons. Um, which is definitely how the Civilization series treats it, as, as almost yeah. entirely on that kind of spectrum. It's like, it's just a bigger bomb. Yeah, which is, I think, a kind of how uh, generally militaries treat them as well. Um, which is, I think, one funny thing about, so there is, some games do have like a radiation effect, but uh, kind of hilariously, you can just get a technology that <laughs> removes that. It's like, oh, that's not, we can just clean that up, don't worry about it. You know. I, I one of my favorite Civ stories was, uh, and I think this was, <laughs> Allah forgive me from Reddit, but uh, there was a there was a guy who had a game he'd been playing. It was Civ two, and he'd been playing this game, this particular game of Civ two, like since the nineties for you know however many years, decades at that point, and um, basically it was like a kind of Mexican standoff between himself and two other factions, and they kept nuking each other because that was the, the only way that they could advance militarily, but it kept creating this radiation, which prevented them from being able to like feed themselves. So the whole world was stuck, you know, in the year 4,000, you know, AD, like, you know, the, the game this was past the like normal end of the game. He was just trying to resolve it and he couldn't, I think eventually some, some kind Redditors assisted him in, in, in fixing the problem. But, and you know, in other words, like achieving a kind of steady state victory in that, in that game but but yeah it was just the radiation fallout from the constantly flying nuclear weapons just made a massive headache for everyone yeah uh there's a lot there's yeah also did you have you played much of like five and six i played a bunch of five i haven't played really six much so do you like so they get wacky towards the end of like the military tech tree like i think kind of intentionally because it's so rare a game goes that long in a meaningful way. But, like, the giant death robot... I was going to say, I remember the giant robot. What I would stick sound to my yeah. mind is the giant robots, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that... I I kind of wonder if, like, they kind of got sick of trying to do, like, very serious near-futurism. Because, uh... Stuff gets real wacky, uh... Well, I think it speaks the to the, the, I mean, sort of, yeah, that's definitely true. I I mean, purely as a sort of external observer, who knows, sort of, you know, I don't even think this would necessarily be conscious to them in their own minds as far as, like, being fully aware of their own motivations. But 
just looking at it in these terms and the way we've discussed it, what I suspect is going on with that is the the series as a whole is predicated on that kind of Francis Fukuyama end of history thesis, right? Where like basically, you know, like past a certain, like you can kind of in theory, like not adopt liberal democracy for one reason or another, like mechanically it is possible to not be a democracy. Yeah. But you can kind you can kind of be communist, but it doesn't really work. It's not as good as being democracy. Well, there's nothing that's as good as, like democracy democracy's downsides are basically like your citizens typically aren't very happy when you declare war. Like that's about it. Everything but else they're just, not but hilariously, like realistically, they're not that sad about it either. Exactly. <laughs> they get over it pretty quick. They get over it pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So like other other than that, which isn't really much of a downside democracy has all the bonuses and, and no drawbacks mechanically in the game. Um, and, and so it's very much a kind of a full throated embrace of the Fukuyama thesis of like, well, we're all just going to become liberal democratic and eat cheeseburgers. And I guess the dildo yeah. thing, you know, rainbow dildos weren't so much a thing in the nineties, but they certainly are now. Yeah. Anyway, the point is I, what I suspect is, is, is as the Fukuyama end of the end of history thesis has been shown to be just completely wrong and 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 intellectually bankrupt and, and a complete you know just nonsense. Which I mean, smart observers, Samuel Huntington, famous, famously not the only one, and not a hundred percent right. I mean, right Fuk- Fukuyama himself at this point. Right. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> distanced himself. Right. He's tried to like say, well, I remember actually what I meant was, and he's like, okay, dude, just please go. don't fire me, oh god. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so given that, like, they're really in a tough place because it's like you know we thought that like the the kind of general progression is here is you know everybody gets chariots. Some people are better at the chariot thing than others. There's so you know you wipe out certain civilizations militarily, but then eventually you know quote unquote advanced civilizations reach a certain point where you know the the downsides to armed conflict which is true to an extent the down you know it is true war is destructive and these days you you don't need to exert physical control over a territory in order yeah. to extract resources from it that that part is 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 true enough but you know the the rest of it is is basically wrong and and so like and so it's not the yeah. case that we're all going to like a, please yeah like, so i would point that so there's it's kind of related to this so interestingly with like the fukuyama thesis being incorrect and Civ being out of date. One of the funny things about Civ is that the United States of America achieved every single victory condition, right? They have the, uh, they have, we have the ultimate, we like, we have all the money and control the world economic system 100%. We've got the bank victory. We've got the, uh, effectively the military victory if we wanted it, um, at a certain point. You know, the, we have the cultural victory. Uh, we like, the cultural victory in, in four, I think, is funniest. Uh, I think they they made it less wacky, where now I think you just have to like build a certain wonder, with that requires a lot of culture. In four, you had to like, or maybe it wasn't culture; it was something else. It was like diplomacy. You had to get all of the civs to vote for you to win in the UN. Like you built the UN, and then had you have all the civs like vote a winner, if you were the. Uh, yeah, you're like, like the, the world government leader like, or something. Yeah. Yeah, and like. The U.S. Go- U.S. United States. I mean, obviously, we can go to Alpha Centauri, but like we won this. We won the space race, which is what that abstracts. Uh, so much of that even matters. Um, like outside of like, you know, we don't occupy every capital of every civilization on Earth, but the U.S. did like win civilization. Uh, you know, in in terms of like, you know, if we abstract the gameplay onto the real world, and obviously that didn't 
history did history didn't stop and we didn't like get a plaque right now we're you know things have begun to decline and history is kind of history is never over and uh i think that's you know one of the interesting things about the the kind of you know the critique of this kind of of uh sibs like victory conditions uh, even if you make the world bank and you control the money and like the dollar is the the uber currency that's run by the u.s government you can still like you can still fuck it up and export all your industry to china yeah and you know cause like a bunch of recessions you know yeah yeah that's a good point yeah that's basically and, and so i think that's what's going on with the giant death robots is they just really have no idea like they they know that the thing where like okay we all become democracy you know the the, the remaining super yeah. states become democracies and then compete to get to alpha centauri like that's that's not happening um yeah. but we don't well, know also, what's gonna happen so giant yeah. death robots yeah and if i i think the most revealing i i don't want a yaki post really hard but i'm gonna do it anyway uh fred spark yaki would would uh hate this um so the you know the the, the two end state uh i guess economic or economics you can pick are democracy and communism and communism utterly like i think it cuts your culture in half or even to zero yeah uh and like ups your production by like a certain amount but it's not that not as good as what you get out of uh democracy and i don't th i don't think there's like a fascism i mean the first of all i don't even think no yeah. well they have autocracy right but that's but what they do is kind of slick they slide that into like the world war one yeah late like early like late victorian period so it's like out of date 19th century uh, european monarchy stuff yeah yeah they, they kind of like imply it's like a you know like it's japan imperialism kind of and yeah. it's and it's bonuses kind of i've i've played with uh with it it's not that great no it, it's very clear the game basically for like if you want to do now you can for kind of whatever larpy reasons do yeah. whatever but like if you want to who win, among us can say they have not yeah sorry <laughs> who among us who among us has not yeah right exactly yeah. of course led, led panthers into zimbabwe you know we've all exactly but the but the you know the uh basically if you want to get the most advantage gameplay wise you have to be a democracy which is retarded but again it just speaks to the kind of over overriding ethos of the of the series as a whole yeah uh, do you want to do uh like do you want to talk about like the religion stuff yeah because we can do that for a bit handled in like in yeah. like it's handled very well in some ways and obviously very sloppily was it was it did was four the first one that had like major religion because i remember reading i had i read like the the, the that's a good computer game with like big thick manuals and i got to the religion section and it was like Oh God! Please don't get mad. Please don't get mad. We're just doing this because it's historical. There's they, they, there's no you know references to anything. Just please, God, don't freak out. We're gonna have religion in the game. And uh, did, did did three have like religion in a I, meaningful way? Yes. I don't. But not like four was the first that really made it. It, I think it was like subsumed under culture in three, or maybe it was in the deal. I don't remember whatever expansion, not DLC in those days. But um, yeah, four was the first one that really had it as a core mechanic. Yeah, uh, and there's like a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's one interesting thing where religion is always a positive influence. It's never there's no like religion's never gonna hurt you. Uh, but there's the very cool uh, that I, I noticed it. If if you have a if you're on a river, and there's somebody also on the river, like the religion will over time, like on the river, come down to your you'll get it in that city. Which is like very interesting, and I, uh, and then there's also the you know, the way they did it was you would like, 
it was so the way you like discovered religions in four, which is like I think made better in five and six, was if you were the first to get a certain uh, technology, it would like unlock that religion. Like I want to say, if you like did some kind of polytheism, you got Hinduism. When you did, uh, they were all kind of weird because they didn't want to be too. I think. I think uh, it was like with wonders where you like the first person to finish that tech. Yeah, that religion they, they, becomes available for the first time. Well, no, yeah. well, it becomes one of their cities gets picked out as like the founder city. Yeah, and then well, you get like get, a special you... religious like prophet type yeah. special unit, like a spy yeah. or a scientist kind of equivalent. But it's yeah, but it's really funny that so if you're like kicking ass in the tech race, you'll get all those techs first, and they all go to your capital city usually. So you do get the Jerusalem effect, <laughs> where you'll get like the founding city of four religions, and they're all yours uh, in one place, which is kind of I guess funny and true to life, but uh, I think I think religion has that was never has never been handled that well because of the constraints of it. I think four came the closest to where it's just, they kind of call it it's just a positive and you can do certain things. Well, they also punted. I mean, that's I think the the the, the kind of fundamental issue is there's a like they're coming at it from essentially a secular materialist neoliberal framework, which isn't necessarily a bad thing um, in principle, but like they they just kind of don't even it's just it's not even just that it's like only positive it it's that it's like they don't really like they, there's no accounting for like what religion means in people's lives or how it can motivate action or any of those kind of questions it it's all just sort of you know it, it's abstracted in a, in a in a in a way that i personally find um baffling i agree with you that for, i think the reason it worked better in 4 is is because it was just it was like just there enough to like give a certain kind of flavor it didn't really have too much impact and that was okay versus like later games have tried to make it more of a factor with really mixed results yeah i will say the uh later games they kind of did this like you know they, they treat every sieve is equal and go on these different paths they did this thing where as like you can develop religions along certain paths and like so you can make like the basically the labels the the names of religions are just kind of random like you pick once you get certain culture points you get to pick from the tree of Christianity Taoism and then as you like put culture points into your religion you can get like effects of that but any religion get any effects right right um, well I think I there's think some gating it's but it's, yeah there's well there's it's you can't get it somebody somebody already picked it. But, like, you can do, like, you know, Taoism in the desert, in, like, the desert militarists. Like, there's all kind of weirdness. And it's kind of, it basically did the same thing they did with the civilization, individual factions, is that, yeah, you're playing the, you know, the Poly Polynesians, but you can, you know, do whatever you want with those, with them, with them, you know. There's a, so I think, which is, I think, a little, I don't want to say it's cowardly, because there's really no other way to do it without, like, you know, causing a fatwa. <laughs> against you uh fucking it up right. so yeah um, they, they really kind of they, they you know yeah civ 4 punted on it more mechanically the the five and six i think punt on it in like i, I think the game would be better off without it personally i mean i i understand yeah. that it can be kind of you know obviously religion is a very important aspect of people's lives but it it's so hard to model and i don't know how much difference it really makes when we're examining 
civilization scale. I mean, you know, I think you can account, you can have mechanics like, you know, building wonders of the world and cathedrals or, you know, kind of religious type structures um, yeah. without trying to model religion as a feature of civilization. I, 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 I think, I think the best way to handle it would have, if I, I think this is like a reformable thing. You just start out with like the religion of the French is the French religion, you know, and it develops as like the religion of this, of these peoples. Like the idea I think of like infecting other civilizations with your religion is both kind of bizarre and also like not very effective. Like gameplay wise, there's this promise I think in five and six where if you like certain, there's certain traits you can pick up for your religion that if you like infect another save with it, they're like easier to conquer. But that never really ever, like I never, I've never seen that in a game like actually work even when I try to do it because there's like too many counter moves to it or, and they can just like, you know, build more units. And I, I, I think like the kind of promise of, like religious gameplay and combat uh it just comes a distraction from like the actual game you're trying to play yeah i i i mean i think there's there's problems about i mean i think i think about something like you know the, the really easy example of this is is islam right where um you have people all across the world including places like indonesia and persia and india and pakistan who um don't know Arabic, will never know Arabic. The devout among them will learn it in an effort to learn the Quran, but you know, um it's a it's a it's an alien religion in the sense of it's ethnically alien to them. Um of course the, over time they adapt it to their own ethnic circumstances and so on, but um in a sense you could say like the Arab religion has or whatever, a certain kind of Arab religion has become very popular among non Arab peoples. Yeah. Um, but even well, like, then, I don't, yeah, I, I think like regarding that as like, well, you know, because of the both Muslim, Pakistan would be easily conquered by Saudi Arabia. Right, like, it's just not, not how it works. It's, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah it's, and historically it's, it's, it has never worked that way. And you yeah, see like, obviously Christian kingdoms at yeah. war with each other nonstop and the Christianity yeah. never stopped them. And, you know, and you could even say like, you know, people like to talk about crusades. I'm like, well, the crusades were defensive action. And it is true that there was some amount of coordination among the various Christian kingdoms of Europe. Um, and I, I think it would be fair to say that Christianity played some role in that, but obviously so did the fact that we all kind of recognize like we're, you know, there, there was a nascent European identity even at that time. And, and you could just as easily appeal to that sense of European ethnic solidarity, racial solidarity, whatever, at least as much as, um, Christian solidarity in the face of the sword of Islam. Right. So in any case, I think it, it's one of those things that just makes sense to abstract. Yeah. Like more so maybe than they have in recent installations. And I think I think that's kind of like the the if you want to like put a bow on Civ, it's it it abstracts things and I guess unabstracts things weirdly, but it's all in the service of like a gameplay. Yes, there, it's it's not trying to simulate reality. It's trying to be and enjoy, and it will like it's gonna teach you a lot about thing, history in its own way. I think, uh, yeah, I you think... just have to not take it. You have to be careful. I mean, this is why I think one of the reasons why we're doing this series and in, in, in this particular episode is, you know, we should be critical, you know, be, be un, un, yeah. understand that, that this is not just a neutral presentation of history. There are no neutral presentations, but this is especially, you know, um, <laughs> insidious in a certain way, not bad, not uh, definitely fun. Um, but something to be aware of. Yeah. And, uh, 
I do want to, if we're going to kind of start wrapping things up, I think if I was going to say, like, what's the best Civ, it's four. I think we think we're in agreement on that. I think. Yeah, for the kind of classic formula, four is the pinnacle and the, the perfect refinement of that of that formula. Like, five and six yeah. are almost a different thing. Yeah, it. Uh, I think it, it iterates on the, a lot of the complaints we have are addressed somewhat. Like, in four, you get penalties from too big an army and things like that. Uh, you can, like, your city can get stinky and unhappy and unhealthy. Uh, and, and the AI was also really good. I mean, compared for the series as a whole, I, I thought. Oh the, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, the best by far, including the, the five and six. Yeah, uh, I think you know, you can get you can get wrecked pretty good. Also, four had the best scenarios. I think. Yeah. So there's, there's one thing where in Civ where you can, I think where they do kind of try to do maybe a more total war thing, you can like do like uh, I think the best one was like the Crusades, and it's all set up. Uh, with these in this like kind of uh, yeah five, five had a civil war scenario that was pretty good like basically your only resource is money and you earn it by capturing territory um yeah. kind of I, 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 yeah i think also i don't even want to mention it although i have to say it exists the spy espionage stuff is dumb and a waste of time and it was never <laughs> good it's never been good i, I agree completely uh, yeah it was like what is this really dumb yeah i don't know who was asking for it it's never been good it's always been uh, a waste of your time Yes. Uh, Do you have any other concluding right. thoughts? No, I think, uh, you know, play Civ 4, uh, you know, it's, it's probably the best one. Like I said, once again, it's like a dollar three eighty on Steam. It's uh, like you know, all like, DLC, yeah. It's yeah, really, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I probably would have to say, you know, for unless you, like, grew up with it like I did, probably Civ 2 and, and maybe in and 3 has its... Three has its its good points, but um, four is basically just a straight improvement in pretty much every every way. Yeah. Um, like the big thing that three introduced was the idea of like influence. You know that cities like if you have cities near each other, one city can influence the other, and eventually you can like take over yeah. cities peacefully just by being culturally more powerful, which is cool. But four really perfects that um, in a way that that it wasn't perfect in three. And um, yeah. Anyway, four four is great, and I mean they're all they, they, you know for fans yeah, of the series all good. they're all good they're all just yeah. reason to play all of them. Um, but yeah, yeah. Also, if you're new to like four X strategy, it's a great place to start because it's yes. turn based. Uh, it's all turn based, so it's not like too much editing ever. You know, uh, you can just one thing it does is like turns are very fast early on, and they get slower and slower as you get bigger and more right. complex, which, which is which is good I think. Yeah. Uh, no, they really nail. I mean, they, as you said, they, their primary concern is for you as the player to be having fun, and that definitely comes across. They're very fun to play, and you know this phenomenon of people. I think it was. I think it was four or five made the like, because there's this joke of you know just one more turn. Like you always have. You know, as soon as you complete yeah, your turn yeah, yeah, and yeah. you see the enemy AI make their make their moves, you're like, oh, just one more turn. I just gotta do one. And um, and then yeah, like after the game is over, after you know whoever achieves like actual victory, if, if someone does, yeah. then you can. There's like a thing that says like just one more turn, you know, to keep playing the game even after the end. Yeah. Oh, uh, I uh, I know we're trying to wrap it up, but in the Fukuyama thing, one the other one the, the most Fukuyama thing I think that is in the game outside of the victory conditions being all like American accomplishments, is that there's like the time victory, where you can just make it to the end and it's a draw and history stops. Yeah. Like history, history <laughs> right, and then whoever stops. has the most points, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's but it's still like an equal, like it's a different kind of victory. Like if you yes. get domination, you get domination. If it's a time, they tally the points, but everyone wins. Yeah, and it's it's super super end of history. It's really yes. hilarious. 
Yes. Yeah, they just don't uh, know what to do. It's like the. It's like I mean, and in a certain level, I kind of. I mean, it does feel like. I don't know. History of a set or something ended on September yeah. 11, two thousand one, and and yeah. you know we're dealing with the the fact that uh, something ended on that day. Yeah. I don't know, but that's okay, not so, quite what's going on in the series. So if we're gonna make, we're gonna make a mod where when the time victory hits, every single country has a nationalist uprising, <laughs> <laughs> and like and like yeah. a bunch of their cities go over to like you know super you know ultra nationalist uh, whatever. And then, <laughs> and then for no reason at all, Jerusalem disappears in, a, in, a, in nuclear flames. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing. They, they never touch the Jew stuff. No, uh, not at all. There's never, they, there's, they think they made a Jewish sieve once. Really? But, oh, I, I mean, maybe, I don't, I never remember any. I'm I think sh- they probably. made, in, it was a DLC in five, I think. Okay. But who they are. Uh, yeah. No, they, they don't want to touch are. that with a, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And I, I respect that. It's because like they come out of the PC nineties. Yeah. Like the nineties PC and they came into, you know, two thousands PC or, you know, two teens. Well it's PC, also like so. what would you I mean the only kind of fitting the mold of the series as a whole, maybe we conclude with this, like the only figure that would make any sense for that would be someone like King King David. I mean, you have a kind of like military king who conquered it, established, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. something like yeah. that yeah. you could, I could kind of see working with the series. Anything else, like there's just no framework for it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I think that's one of the things is that like all that is one interesting thing with the leaders is every leader has to be like a military uh, leader. You have some cultural leaders, but yeah, it's it's typically you know some kind of yeah. military hero, Ashoka yeah. for the Indians and yeah. stuff like that. And there is, and they just sidestep succession that way. That's always you know, <laughs> it's always this one guy, which yeah. is I think makes sense, and which is good. It makes sense. Oh, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. 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 All right. I think we're ready to wrap this up. Yes. So uh, with that, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. As always, happy to hear any uh, you know questions, comments, feedback, or suggestions for f- future episodes. Um, we will catch you next time. Tom, girls are dumb.